Hey everyone, welcome to the Cattleman You Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K-Rose Company and Cattleman You. Through our conversations here, we share the latest ideas and techniques to help you start, improve, and expand your farmer ranch. Join us as we visit with industry experts and cattle producers to get honest ins and outs of beef production. We'll dive into topics such as cattle handling, nutrition, cattle markets, genetics, and so much more. We encourage everyone who's involved in the industry to listen. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Cattleman You Podcast. Today is a very special episode because we have MP back with us. So MP is the highlight speaker in the Cattleman You membership in January. And so I thought it would be fun to have her on the podcast. So you guys could get a little bit of an idea about the quality of speakers that we have inside the membership and just a sneak peek about some of the conversations that we have. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Why don't you start and just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background in agriculture? Absolutely. I'm Mary Pat Sass. I grew up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin and married a crop farmer from Illinois. Um, In between there, I went to college for ag business and ended up working for an agronomy company for several years before I chose to leave my career and stay home. At the time, I only had one kiddo, but just decided to be home and be on the farm. And since then, I've built a couple businesses and I'm continuing to find my role on our farm. One of the main topics, well, the main topic in January is working with family, family succession, and kind of all of the things that are involved in working with a family. And I realize that not everyone who's listening is involved in a family operation, but in agriculture, we find that the majority, right, it's probably the exception to the rule to not have some type of family relation in your operation. So describe a little bit about the dynamics of your operation, just so people can start to put an idea in their head when we're going to start talking about, you know, your role in the operation and what you've done to prioritize your mental health and some things like that. So we farm with my husband's two brothers and their dad. He's the middle brother, and they are the third generation on the land that we're currently on. So prior to his generation, his dad was the only one out of his family. Well, he farmed with his father as well, but there wasn't any siblings. Um, So this is like the first generation of siblings for our farm. So it's three boys and the sister-in-laws have different levels of involvement on the farm. I guess that's, (laughs) that's pretty much the picture to paint. We're totally crops as well. So just hobby animals on the livestock side. Great. And then kind of looking a little bit into the future, do all of the brothers have kids? Yep, all of us do and different levels of involvement there as well. Okay, great. So we're going to go from one to three to potentially more. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the evolution of your role in this operation. So you are a daughter-in-law and a sister-in-law. I always heard in farm and ranch succession that the person that causes the most problems is (laughs) the daughter-in-law and the sister-in-law, which was always entertaining to me because I, of course, was never going to be a daughter-in-law or a sister-in-law. I was like, I ranch with my dad and my brother. Well, I recently got married and (laughs) now I am sitting down with my husband's family about his dad's business and guess who's the (laughs) daughter-in-law? 
I think that the reason that daughter-in-laws and sister-in-laws can get a bad rap is kind of an old school mentality. And so I think you've done a really beautiful job of your transition, but can you kind of start about where you were? I know you were working full-time when you first got married, and then a little bit about the evolution to where you are involved in the farm today. I worked full-time in ag technology, and I traveled for my job. So I was gone like two to three nights a week overnight, and I wasn't really involved on the farm, but I did feel like part of my joy was lost in that because I really do enjoy farm life growing up on the dairy. Like it was ingrained in me and I always knew I'd be involved in agriculture in some way. And then when we had my son, I decided to stay home, but I still didn't see a place for myself on our farm. I don't know if it was seeing the boys work together. There was no other women involved. I just really didn't think that I would have a place beyond being the supportive role, which is so important. And we talked about that prior, just how important those supportive roles are and the value that they bring. But the difference, I think, with our family is we do have a lot of support. So three sister-in-laws and a mother-in-law, all four women are very involved in providing meals for the guys, running for parts. So I just felt like I wanted another level and I wanted to be more involved. I was also the only one who comes from an agriculture background so I and agronomy specifically. So I've I'm really interested in the crop side of our operation. Um, Anyway, so when I started to get more involved, the conversation started in our home with my husband. As the daughter-in-law, I was not comfortable. I mean, I joke with my in-laws a lot. So like I would poke fun and say like, I could do that. Or they were talking about, you know, any job that they were looking for somebody to help with. I would, I still poke fun to this day. Like I could do that if you taught me. But the serious conversations happened within the four walls or however many walls of our home. And it took until I actually like got started getting really involved, it was about a year and a half of conversations with my husband and then him taking that to his family. So I think we still have in our family a ways to go when it comes to talking as a whole group. And for now, it's more through the husbands, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you said a couple things there that are really important. One, you used humor, which is something that I do too. So I'll give you an example. We just are finishing a website for my husband's dad's company. He does not accept credit cards. He only accepts checks <laughs> and he like mails invoices. It's great, right? We'll eventually get to the credit card stage. <laughs> so I jokingly said, would you like me to put a payment processor for snow plowing on your website? And he looked over at me. We, everyone in the room knew I was kidding, but I really was just wanted to put the little bug in there that we could potentially down the road in 10 years, accept payment on the website for Snowplow. Yeah. I think that we expect zero to a hundred oftentimes overnight. We can't do that personally, right? I'm sure you set New Year's goals. I did. We don't say... X happens in one year and expect on January 2nd that we've hit it. And for some reason, we expect a new idea to land with someone else and then be like, okay, great, let's just move forward with 10,000 steps. And so I think humor can be a great tactic, especially in the right family. The other thing too is they always say, right, whoever you marry, it's the most important decision. If those conversations at home with your spouse 
that's where they really need to start. And sometimes it might sound like, I want to be more involved. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to start the conversation. I think that's a great way to start. If you're wanting to be more involved, just you have to be your own advocate. I mean, it's a running joke that we think that men can read our minds, but they can't. (laughs) So obvious after six years of marriage. (laughs) I don't know. And I sometimes joke with my husband as well and say, well, the squeaky wheel gets the grease because I'm continually asking how I can be more involved. And they'll like tell me a crap job that I can do, like sweep the shop or power wash, and then be surprised when I actually do it because I actually want to be involved. (laughs) Yeah. Once in a while. It it doesn't happen too often because we didn't get into this, but kids do add a different factor and they're my number one role. So trying to get involved and balance out the kids is a new challenge. Absolutely. That was one thing that I was going to say is as you're working on the transition, you might have to say yes to things that in a couple years you would say no to. But I know in our operation, my brother will stop asking eventually if he hears no too many times. Mm -hmm. If I don't have time or I can't do that right now, or if I don't follow through, which I'm not very good at if I don't write it down. He just asked someone else, which is human nature, you know, saying yes to sweeping the shop or power washing or in conversation overhearing them say, you know, we need someone to do X, Y, and Z and, and volunteering say, hey, I can do that. And sometimes it's the low totem pole jobs that will get gain you some authority and gain you some trust, especially with in-laws, um, with brother-in-laws, with father-in-laws, and getting you the respect that you would like Sometimes it requires some of those jobs. Yep, absolutely. It's time to start thinking about your goals for the new year and how you're going to get there. Finding a community and learning from others can help you reach your goals. Calvin U Membership is accepting new members from January 16th through 19th, with doors opening on January 15th for those on the wait list. The membership is perfect for you or anyone you know who's progressive and proactive. Not only that, but Cattleman U members will get first chance to purchase their spot to our new She's a Hand Ranch Camp. Sign up for the waitlist at CallumanUlive.com backslash join and get 20% off when you become a member. So as a family, how are you guys working on kind of getting you, And this might just be something that you're working on, but I know you want to be even more involved. And as your kids grow, right, that's going to look a little bit different. You only have this period of time where your kids are this little. They've already become so much more independent. I mean, just in the last year, right, where you've been now starting to take them in the tractor. And so where do you hope or envision your role is in a couple years? How involved would you like to be? Oh man, I don't know if I know the answer to that question. It just depends on a lot of things for our family in particular, like where our kids are going to go to school, if they're going to need or how we're going to school them in the world today. I don't know. I think I'm up for baby steps. For example, I want to get my CDL to be an asset in that way so I can drive more stuff on the farm. I would like to dedicate more time to it. And I've been slowly backing away from things that have been keeping me from being more involved so that I can free up myself to be an option. So it sounds to me like instead of saying, okay, I want to run, you know, the tractor during harvest 
you want to build your toolbox where it is needed depending on the season. And that's kind of the approach you're taking. Yeah. And I think there will be opportunities in the future. It just depends on where things go. And I see my in-laws farming with us for as long as they absolutely can, or as long as they want to. And when they leave, who's going to fill their spots? How old will our kids be? There's a lot of unknowns still at this point, what kids will want to be involved, you know, all of that stuff. So I would like, I think just even being more involved on the conversations about goals and where we want to go has been helpful in even just me being motivated to be part of the solution and not part of just either making it more difficult for everyone, you know, or throwing a wrench into what they're already trying to do. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk a little bit about mental health. And I don't know how much of a conversation mental health is around your family. I know in our family, it is not much of a con- an out loud conversation, a conversation we definitely have to have more often, but working with family can be really challenging in general. I would say more challenging than having employees. And I think it's because people you know the best are the ones that you treat the worst. And I don't know why that is, but that is what they say, right? The people closest Mm -hmm. to you is the people that you let fall the hardest. And so do you have any tips and tricks for kind of keeping your mental health up when working with family or kind of when approaching this multi-generation operation and how you maintain a good attitude and all of that when it can get pretty rocky when there's so many people involved, multiple generations, a lot of cooks in the kitchen is what they call it, I believe. Like I said before that this is the first, or I guess my father-in-law farmed alone and brought on the three brothers. So now we have three like on this similar level So how do they communicate? I think a big step that we took in the last 24 months is hiring a business coach to help with communication. I've worked with a lot of farm families through my previous career as well. And I thought we were always very healthy and it was like refreshing to see how everyone treated each other with love and respect because you don't see that everywhere you go. There was still things that we had a hard time communicating that I feel like the business coach helped with. And that's not necessarily like overall mental health. And that is also not a conversation that we have openly with our family. I would say the mental health conversation comes again within the four walls of our home with me and my husband. I think that it's maybe taboo for farm families to think that they don't need someone like a business coach or somebody to moderate conversations, but it can really help to take out the personal aspect of it that's so deep in your family when you're having these conversations. Yeah. One thing that you guys do that I really admire and I see on social media is weekends away. And I don't know what your Enneagram is or what your husband's Enneagram is. My spouse is an Enneagram one and it is recommended that an Enneagram one gets a weekend away every single month. Wow. And (laughs) so it has been part of our habits, our rhythm in life is to schedule a weekend away. We do it every other month because we are young and on a budget. But that is not something that I see a lot of farm families do. And you guys make that a big priority, which I am guessing plays a big role in one, your marriage, two, kind of your friendship, which is not talked a lot about in marriage and your mental health. That's a huge plus of farming with our family really there's somebody at the farm all the time. If somebody wants to go for a weekend or whatever, there's still people there 
like I said, we only have hobby livestock. So that's a huge difference from how I grew up. We never went really anywhere growing up on the dairy farm. And I, I feel no like resentment about that. I actually really enjoyed my childhood, but it is nice to have the freedom, I guess, to get away and to know that things at home will still be taken care of because we have family home. And that goes like, we don't, we don't leave as often, especially with little kids. I think if we get away one time in between the busy seasons, we're happy with that. But I would say winter, we get away more in the summer. It's maybe like a weekend or two, or I go to see my family a lot, which is a really important thing for me. They live four hours away and I want my kids to be familiar and, you know, know my parents and stuff. So that's a big reason for our travels more than just getting away to random places, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Have you guys as a family started to talk about succession planning either with your in-laws or even you and your husband with your children? Yes and yes. The succession from my in-laws to the next generation has mainly been with the boys. The daughter-in-laws haven't really been involved yet. And I don't know that our involvement would change the succession conversation at this point. It would be more around, I think, the future of the farm and our family's roles in the future of the farm um, and what we envision for each family. But we haven't gotten there yet. That's like probably the next step for us. As far as our own family, uh, we've been, because we're both self-employed entrepreneurs, we've been working towards, you know, having investments and funds set up with a financial advisor, but also already setting up stuff to give to our children. So that's, I mean, it's been in conversation. Hasn't, we still have a long way to go as well with that. That is something I am praying that our generation does differently than our parents' generation is I hope it is a conversation we have much sooner and a conversation and plans that we put on paper much sooner And also, you know, you talked about investments and we're not, you know, this isn't a money conversation, but growing up, it was not a conversation about putting money in retirement. I mean, my dad, the farm and the ranch was his retirement. He kept saying, this is all I have. You know, my land is my value. And it puts a lot of weight on the kids to take care of dad. We just continue, we have to continue to ranch. And my brother and I have no doubt that we want to ranch and we want to ranch together. But I hope that as the next generation, we can invest. And so at some point when we turn it over to our kids, we're like, here you go. We're taking care of, have this, do what you want with it, um, farm, bring your kids back, but know that we can step away and we don't need this to feed us for the rest of our life. Yeah, that would be incredible, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I hope that that's my goal. That's one of my goals is to to change the conversation a little bit there. Well, I think you've done a really great job of getting involved. And I know it's not easy. You have some tools and some things that you have created. And I don't want to call them like side things because they're really not. They're more, like I said, you, you're sort of creating this toolbox. You've done multiple different things. I know in the episode we talked about the thing that you do during harvest to just make sure that you guys are well prepared. But 
it seems like you're just so thoughtful in building this toolbox to make sure that you can kind of evolve and fit in where is needed in the operation. And I really admire that because I feel a lot of times we are taught as women, like, what are your strengths? Okay, you need to play 100% into this strength. And to fit into an operation, we have to figure out where we want to be and also where we need to be. And it's this beautiful combination of where it fits and what works with the kids and what works with the schedule. And for example, my sister-in-law, which you'll appreciate this, she had a brand new baby. It was 2015. She night calved. My nephew was born in December and we calved out 800 heifers starting in February. She loves to night calve and she was like, I'm already up most of the night. And she strapped Jason to her chest And she just took him out and she loved it. It's what worked for her and it's what worked for their family. And it doesn't look the same for everyone. It was like, okay, this is the hole we have. It matched her skills. But you've really been building this toolkit to kind of fit in where you're needed and where works with the kids. And I really admire that. I know you've been working on a journal. Is that the best term for it? You know, I still struggle calling it a journal because it's like not, it's a memoir and an album, but it's also not, a, I don't know, it's a couple different products, but they're in book form. <laughs> so it's, the company is called Grounded Journals because I couldn't come up with a better name than that. <laughs> but basically um, one of the journals is for farmers and ranchers to look back on their time doing what they love and recording stories and special moments and pasting in pictures of these things and times of their life um, for the next generations and for themselves to just read and look back on. But then the other one is a yearly journal, which is the one that my husband and I have been using. And it has both of these journals have prompts in them. So you already have a prompt to start writing about. They kind of help spark the ideas and make it easy to think about what you want to write about. Um, But the yearly one, what's kind of surprised me going through that with my husband is we had conversations we wouldn't have normally had because of the different prompts in that yearly journal. And I felt much more connected to what we were doing and the new things and the goals of our operation and maybe even the, the areas where we could improve. So I felt like it was more than I expected it to be because it brought us closer together in our conversations. Absolutely. It reminds me of the dinner prompts that we have at the in the Kettle Menu Planner. Someone said, you know, why are you prompting dinner conversations? And I said, because we sit down at dinner and we all say, how was your day? Yep. Well, <laughs> everyone's like, good, how was yours? And I'm like, at some point we have to say, you know, what's the best question you asked today? Or, you know, what is the most unique thing? Like we just got to think outside the box. And sometimes it does take that little spark it takes that little idea to come up and you know we watch TikToks now and a lot of them spark my ideas on conversations but I think having it down in writing and I I love the idea of journaling because there is not enough written work for the next generation one of the best things that my grandpa did is after my grandma passed away he lives in Placerville California and he saw the newspaper was asking for someone to write in a weekly article telling stories. And he was like, okay. So he wrote in weekly stories with photos 
for I think two and a half years. And the newspaper took those and made him a book. Oh, and so cool. we all got copies of it. And he was not involved in agriculture. Uh, he was an engineer and in the military, but he still has, so, I mean, every story is incredible that comes from our grandparents, right? Yes. So we all have this book. I mean, it's a thick book, all these photos that he submitted all about our aunts and uncles, our parents. It is one of, my grandpa is still alive, he's 97, but it is still one of the most treasured things that I own. I keep telling my other grandparents, like, we got to write stuff down. Let's start recording. And we don't want families to wait until they're in their 90s to start recording, especially in agriculture, because it's so easy to forget what even what I did yesterday, much less what's happening year after year. Yeah, I love the yearly for that aspect is we're going to get details that we would have never recorded. And the memoir that I created, I started writing in it because, you know, there's I'm 30. A lot has happened in the last 30 years, and there's a lot that I don't remember about my childhood. Some of the stories that the memoir already prompted me on just made me think back and really, I don't know, it's fun. You laugh about the stories that you think about from your childhood growing up on the farm, and I wanted to make sure that I took the time now to start recording them so that when I'm 50 or 60, I don't have to be like, oh, I don't remember a single thing. (laughs) Absolutely. And it makes me wonder, you know, on that yearly, how many, I mean, they say history repeats itself. How many behaviors and how many things are we going to notice where it's like, okay, every five years, this place floods and we never would have remembered that. Or we get a really bad winter storm about every seven years here or whatever it looks like. But like how many of those things are going to be able to change the way we operate? But it just would not be something that we were able to tie together unless we had it written down. Right. And I think the other thing is some farm operations are probably really good at this, but how many of us really do sit down and think and talk about our goals together and where we see it going and all of that. And I feel like that aspect is huge as well. One thing I didn't realize is that some people just don't set goals. Because I'm an Enneagram 8, I've set goals, I think, since I knew what a goal was. Yeah. I didn't realize that it is not part of some people's behaviors to set goals. Well, it's just hard for me to wrap my mind around it, right? It's not right or wrong. But I think that it is really hard to aim if you don't know what your target is. And it is a really good behavior to get into, even if it's really simple, right? And it's like one thing. I mean, starting with, we're going to make it to town to have a date night twice a month. I mean... Mm-hmm. If you're a ranching family or a farming family, it doesn't have to be income if you're not comfortable setting that. Like it doesn't have to be calf weight. It doesn't have to be yield. Like it doesn't have to be any of those hard numbers. Like it can be really things that you can control and you can feel like you can easily control until you feel more comfortable setting them. But it just changes your behavior to have goals written down. I have them on the home screen. My January goal is the home screen of my phone. And so every time I log in, I look at them and I can see and make progress towards them. But I think setting goals, I know we hear people say it all the time, but I know there are people listening who don't set goals as a behavior. I think that it does make a big difference. Yeah. Speaking your goals out loud makes a huge difference or sharing them with other people. It's almost like this different level of accountability once you share them out loud. Yeah. And I kind of make, I mean, I make it a little fun. Like I did 23 in 2023, 
And yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't know why 23 stuck with me. I didn't do 22 last year, Um, but 23 (laughs) just felt like it stuck. And then I broke them down by month, you know, where I needed to be each month on them. And every night, Sean and I, he says, pull up your goals. How is the progress coming? And we read them out loud and we go over how I made progress that day on each goal. And some of them, you know, are ones that it's not, I'm not making progress every single day, but I just really encourage people who are listening that if you're not a goal setter to really try. And again, I know so many people talk about goals, but I do think when we're talking about working with family, when we're talking about taking over operations or moving your operation from one generation to the other, you know, maybe the conversation is to sit down and to start to have one meal a month with your in-laws. Like maybe that's the goal to just start to open some conversation. It doesn't, you don't even have to talk about buying the farm or buying the ranchers, taking it like none of that. Just start to be involved more in their life if possible in a family way, not in a work way. Exactly. And we can make a big difference when we are intentional about our behaviors. I love that so much. I think that's very important to build a relationship off the farm or ranch. There's so much value in that. Absolutely. Yes. And I think it's easy to forget. We have meals that my dad will say, this is a family meal, meaning work is turned off. He will say, like at my wedding, he had told my brothers, this is not a work event. We will not be talking about work. If you get a call from someone about work, you need to step outside. And trying to be really intentional about when he plays dad, when my brothers play brother, and then when they play boss and what that looks like. I love that. Those boundaries are something I don't think we fully have in place yet, but something to work towards, you know, and very important for the health of your relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have been an incredible speaker for January. Um, Several people have already watched your recording and I've already gotten great feedback about it. And I just think you're so open and transparent about the joy of becoming more involved and also that it's not perfect, right? And Mm -hmm. we all have improvements about where where we're at and where we wanna be. One thing I really appreciated that we talked about in your presentation is women should be in the role that they want to be in. 100%. Women should not feel obligated to be in the role that they think that they belong in. Yep. It's very different where they should be and where they want to be um, don't have to be the same thing. And so, you know, we feel like in agriculture, sometimes women kind of get plopped in the kitchen or in childcare and why those are incredibly important, raising the next generation of kids. You and I said it in that recording, there's nothing more important that doesn't mean that that is 100% where you feel called. And if you feel called to be an attractor, be out on the ranch, that means that we need to figure out a way to get you out there as well. Yes, 100%. I think that conversation was so good and so important. And if you feel totally fulfilled in that role, then that's incredible and amazing and lean into that. I think lean into whatever is making you feel the most fulfilled. Absolutely. Just know, and I think you said it well, right? Like you were fulfilled and then you felt something missing and then you tweaked a little bit and it solved a little of it, right? And it's kind of this ebb and flow of, okay, what do I need in this season? And as your kids get older, your son is at such a fun age. I don't know exactly how old he is. Four. <laughs> so fun. Where he goes along, wants to be involved, all of that is a little bit, 
more hands off. And so it gets a little bit easier at that age. Yep. He spends all day at the farm and is happy as a clam. And I don't know how his dad does it, but. (laughs) Here's a sack of lunch. Best of luck. Yes. Yeah. He'll like walk around and spray the tires with the hose like he's helping and it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you do great things for the industry and we were very lucky to have you as a Kettleman Youth Speaker. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Um, We have all of your social handles in the show notes and then we'll put a link to your journals. When are they live now or do they, when do they come out? I'm waiting on a couple of things, but hoping by like the last week in January to get everything live on the website. I do have a website. We can put it in the show notes if you click on it and it says like error. That's because it's not live yet. We'll make a post too when they come out because they're very cool. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. (laughs) Absolutely. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, by now you're probably well aware of how LivestockMarket.com can help you market cows, pears, bread heifers, and bulls. If you haven't used our online auction platform yet to sell cows, you really should give it a try. It's fast, easy, and affordable. You take the photos and videos yourself, send them in, and choose your auction date. And that's it. The cattle are sold before they ever leave the ranch. But did you know we can also help you market your calf crop too? At just a dollar a head, it's the most cost-effective way to sell your calves. And with on-staff order buyers soliciting bids for your cattle, they're sure to bring top dollar. Designate them for immediate delivery or set a forward-contracted delivery date, whatever suits your needs. If you've never sold calves on an online auction before and you have questions, we have cattle marketing reps that will help you negotiate all the scary stuff, estimating base weights, slides, weight stops, all that. We'd love to help you out. Give us a call today at 844-775-4762 or look us up online at livestockmarket.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Cattleman U Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe at cattlemanulive.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to review when you get there. We are excited to learn alongside you and remember the grass is greener where you water it.